The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. This morning we're in the 28th Psalm. Uh, If you don't have a copy of the Bible, there's one under a chair close to you. Page 460 is where we are in Psalm 28. So last week we ended with this thought. That how is it that we can claim as Christians that we are trusting God with our salvation and not trust him with the everyday things of our life? Or let's put it this way. If we truly are trusting him as our salvation, we're going to trust him in the everyday occurrences of our life. Now, Psalm 28 presses this even further today as we look at the Lord being our saving refuge. So join me as I pray. Father, as we bow together, we confess that you are our rock and you are our redeemer, and it is to you that we call. So we come this morning asking that you would lead us as we study your word, that you would instruct our minds and our hearts, that you would correct our wrong thinking and our wrong believing, and that you would lead us to walk by faith. Lord, we thank you last week as we came together and we pleaded on behalf of the workers in Central Asia, thank you that you have given relief. We continue to pray for that situation to work out the workers will remain, that the work there will continue and flourish. And thank you that in another part of Central Asia on Friday, that a man embraced Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and was saved. Thank you that the gospel is going forth in a land where there are few to no believers. We pray that it would spread and the church would be established. Now, Lord, we don't take for granted that we can gather today and hear your word. So move and speak among us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the main point of this psalm is that the Lord is the saving refuge of his people. And that there's evidence of that. That there's evidence that that he is the saving refuge of his people. Now here's how you see evidence of it. The evidence that God is your saving refuge is that you pray. It's an internal evidence that you trust God and you come to him in prayer. The external evidence is that you praise, that you praise God for who he is and for what he has done. You see both of these in the psalm. Now, Psalm 28, at the first reading, had a brother come up to me earlier this morning. He said, I've been reading this this week. I get the last part. I don't get the beginning. How does this go together? Here's why you struggle with it if you've tried to read through it and make sense of the psalm. Typically, here's how the logic of the Bible will work out or how a psalm will work out. It'll start with a declaration. This is who God is. Now, apply it. Pray or praise. (laughs) This psalm starts in the reverse. It begins with a prayer and it ends with the declaration that results 
in praise. It kind of messes with our mind as we work through it. Now, to give you a backdrop of this, a psalm of David, the situation here, Derek Kidner says, an Old Testament scholar, you're likely seeing David who's facing some kind of serious illness. At a minimum, he's in a time of deep despair. And you see his expression of this despair through prayer. So two major areas to this psalm, two points today we want to consider. First, trusting the Lord as your saving refuge results in pleas for mercy. To you, O Lord, I call. Now don't just read right through that. You need to pause in your mind and think about what it said here. To you, O Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, the one true God. We're not praying to a generic God. We're praying to the one true God. To him, our prayer is directed. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Look in Psalm 18, a few pages to your left. I love you, O Lord, my strength. And he gives an expanded explanation. The Lord is my rock. What does that mean? He's my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn of salvation, my salvation, and my stronghold. Now, A rock, in our life, if I had one in my hand, a rock is an inanimate object. This is an inanimate object, this podium. In other words, it's not alive. However, however, the rock whom David is addressing here is alive. You say, how do you know that? Because he says, don't be deaf to me. Not just alive, it's a person. My rock Don't be deaf to me. Now, what does that mean? This is where we start getting tripped up right off at the beginning of the psalm. We know he's praying to God. He's calling God his rock, his refuge. And then he says, be not deaf to me. Charles Spurgeon wrote, what a dreadful case should we be in if the Lord should become forever silent to our prayers. This thought suggested itself to David and he turned it into a plea, thus teaching us to argue and reason with God in our prayers. So don't answer out loud, but here's the question. Is the Bible here teaching that the Lord becomes permanently silent with his people? The answer is no. That is not what it's teaching. Now you say, well, he's saying don't be deaf to me. Who's he praying to? The Lord, the covenant-keeping God. That means God's going to do what he promised to do. Did God promise to take care of his people? All right, then he's going to do that. The question is, why does sometimes it appear if God has gone silent? Why does he go quiet at times? To So what David is doing here is making an argument in his prayer. He's offering reasons in his own mind to the covenant-keeping God. It's not that he's trying to argue God down. He's God. The argument serves as a corrective for who? Me. 
So if I start thinking, well, God's, God's quit listening to me, is that true? I may, I may really believe it, that God stopped, but is that true? Then he says this, lest if you be silent to me, so if you go completely silent with me, I'll become like those who go down to the pit. Down to the pit is a metaphor for death. He's pressing this further. It's not just death physically. We're all physically going to die. He's pressing this further to a separation, a spiritual death. I have a question. Who is saved from spiritual death? The answer, it's those who cry for mercy. Verse two. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. This is an audible, earnest pleading. This is not a one-time event. Notice the plural nature. Please. Hear the voice, the audible pleas for mercy. Mercy is an admission that I cannot provide for myself what I need. I am in a desperate place, and if you don't help me, I won't be helped. Now, Jesus gave multiple parables in the Gospels, teaching us to continue pleading with the Lord. One is the parable of the persistent widow who keeps going to the judge, asking, 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 and the judge gives her what she's asking for. Jesus sums that parable up in Luke 18, 7, and here's what he says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Now, there's a suggestion here in this, in this teaching of Jesus. There's a period where God delays sometimes. Will he delay long? No. God will reply. Plummer, who's one of the old Puritans, I've quoted him a few times. He said it this way. I love this image. Whoever leaves his prayer as an ostrich leaves his egg in the sand and walks away does not pray at all. In other words, if it's just a one-shot deal and, okay, I, I prayed him. The Bible's teaching here that we offer pleas, that we come to God. We cry for help. A cry for help is an admission of need. It's an admission that you have the inability to provide what you need. When I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary, now if you're a parent in this room, there was a phase of your kid's life to when they came to you and they needed something and they didn't have to say anything. Sometimes they're just crying doing this. That's the image that we're coming to our Father, hands lifted, emptied, saying, give us what we need. In my reading this week, one guy places, he said, think about, think about how most modern people pray. Hands clasped in a tight position, their heads are down, their eyes are closed. And you could argue that's reverence. But what is that saying before God? What are we communicating with that kind of posture? That here, what, what David is communicating is desperate need and that only God can provide. Now, what's going to transpire here in verse 3 and following is a contrast of the wicked. And let me say it this way. It's a contrast with the self-sufficient. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. In other words, these people are hypocrites. They say the right things on the outside, but inside there, there is evil. There, there is a wickedness. 
He says, give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds, give to them according to the work of their hands, render them their due reward. That's the principle the Bible teaches, summed up in Galatians. You reap what you sow. How often? Every time. You reap what you sow. Now, what is the core issue with David as he raises this wickedness and reaping what you sow in hypocrisy? Verse 5. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Now, this is very similarly stated in Isaiah. Just go to your right a few books and you'll find Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feast, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Most of you have seen the movie Titanic. You're, the boat's sinking and the... String players are sitting on the deck playing. I, I, I think in a very real way, this is what's happening in our world. It, it's what's happening here in, in Isaiah 5.11. People are just eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we're going to die. So let's just pretend the ship's not sinking. Let's, let's pretend that, that things aren't wrong. Let's, let's pretend everything's okay. And here's what we're actually doing when we live like that. We're not regarding the deeds of the Lord or seeing the work of his hands. What is, what is the work of his hands? First thing we are ignoring is we're ignoring the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. This is the argument in 1 Corinthians. That, that people are living in sin and as they live in sin, they're ignoring what Christ has redeemed them. We've been purchased with a price. That We're God's people. And when we live contrary to that, we're ignoring what he has done, the work of salvation in our hearts and lives. Or, or and, we're not regarding the works of the Lord. We're not regarding that it is God who needs to help us. It is God who helps us alone. I'll say it this way. Are you living like the wicked? You say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not wicked. All right, let me ask it this way. Are you regarding the works of the Lord? Let me press it further. Are you praying? Are you coming to the Lord for help? I was sharing with a brother this week and he said, I'm, I'm just weary I'm weary going to growth group and we come to the time of prayer and people just share these plastic prayers. Pray for my aunts, uncles, grandmothers, big toe. And nobody's honestly just saying, I'm, I'm struggling. Pray for me. Folks, folks hear me. I'm, I'm not trying to slam you. Let's not act like the wicked. Let's not just sit on the deck of the boat and play our instruments and pretend like everything's great. 
while inside we're struggling. We're saying like, David, God, are you hearing me? Pray for me. I'm struggling to trust God. Remind me to trust God. Now, here's what this does right now. Here's, here's what's happening to you. You're going, I, 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 don't, I feel terrible. What, is, what does the awareness of our wickedness do for us? Here's what it does. It reminds us of our need for a saving refuge. So trusting the Lord as your saving refuge ultimately results in joyful thanksgiving. Then you say, where are you going with this? Track with me here. Blessed be the Lord. So he's through talking about the wicked who are ignoring the Lord. And now he's going to show you how in the midst of this prayer where he's concerned whether God's listening to him, blessed be the Lord. Praise alone to the Lord is what he's saying. Only God deserves the praise. For he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. He has heard me. And because I know he's heard me, praise the Lord. Does he say he's answered me? Here. Does he? No, he just says he heard me. He has heard the pleas for mercy. Let's break it down into two parts. All who call on the name of the Lord will be what? How many? All. Everybody who calls on the Lord for mercy unto salvation will be saved. No one will be turned away. Praise God. He has heard my plea for mercy. And all who come to him pleading over and over again for mercy in the midst of difficulty of life, he will be their saving refuge. The Lord is my strength and my shield. That means strength. He is my provision inside of me. He is providing what I need on the inside. And he is my shield. He is the protection of the outside. Because he is my provision and my protection, in him my heart trusts and I am helped. So faith comes before help, but help's not far behind. Spurgeon said every believer should say daily, I am helped. There should be a conscious awareness in our life that we are trusting God and that God is helping us. And as that happens, my heart exults. We don't use the word exult very often. It means my heart expresses exceeding joy, great joy. It's not just a little smile. This is an exceeding joy that is welling up within. And here's what it'll do. With my song, I give thanks to him. So when God blesses us, we bless him with all of our heart. From our heart comes exceedingly joyful song, expressing thanks for God to God for giving us what we desperately need and what we cannot provide for ourselves. The Lord is the strength of his people. This is active. He is. It's not that he will be. That's true. He is. He is the strength of his people. Those who trust him, God is empowering them to persevere through every trial of life. Then this incredible truth right here. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. This is a present reality because of the past. So let's look to the past. Who's writing the Psalm? David. What office did David hold? The king. He's the anointed. 
So David is saying, the Lord is my saving refuge. But, but, don't stop there. David is a type of the one who is to come. From David's seed is coming the anointed one. It's translated in the New Testament. The word anointed is translated, do you know? Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Christ is the anointed. So Yahweh is the saving refuge of his anointed. You say, well, wait a minute. Let's go backwards in the psalm and let's see the gospel. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil. Look up here. Who was drug off with the wicked and treated as if he was evil? Jesus Christ the Lord. The sinless Savior died a sinner's death in your place. He took what you deserved and what I deserved on the cross of Calvary and he bore the wrath of God in your place. But three days later, the Lord saved his anointed. And he broke forth from the grave and he is risen from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And now that does something incredible for me and you. Let's go to Hebrews and see it. Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. That's toward the end of your Bible. Go to Revelation and then work your way backwards till you'll come to a fairly sizable book. It's Hebrews. It says this way in verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, which is an impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for what? Refuge. So we fled to him as our saving refuge, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as the forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, let me just clear that up. Order of Melchizedek means this. He's a character that shows up with Abraham in Genesis. Melchizedek had two offices. He was a priest and he was a king. It's an illustration. Jesus Christ is a priest and he's a king. And because he's your priest, he makes intercession on your behalf. And, and you, brothers and sisters, have a sure and steadfast anchor behind the veil that is Christ the Lord in whom you can come to God. And he is the king. He is the one who's risen from the dead. And for all who call on him as Lord and Savior, he rules over our lives. And we have a sure and steadfast hope. So we say back to Psalm 28 with verse 9. O Lord, save your people and bless your heritage. Lord, take care of your people. Be the saving refuge of your people. Bless 
your people, the one who's going to receive your inheritance. And then he gives this incredible image. Now remember, he started out with a rock. You're my rock. Now he gives this personal, intimate image that we're going to pursue further in growth group this week. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's that saying? It's saying the Lord, because the Lord is my protector, my nourisher, my provider, the leader. I'm going to trust him. He's going to give me what I need. I'm not going to do without. The Lord's my shepherd. And then it uses this beautiful image. He will carry them when? Forever. This week on social media, I don't remember where it showed up. It was a video of a sheep that had fallen into a swollen creek and it was drowning. It was in full wool. Its head was just barely up out of the water. Other sheep on the bank were going crazy. The shepherd comes. He gets down in the water. He first tries to tug on the sheep to get the sheep out. Then he just goes under the water and with all of his might lifts this sheep up and pushes him up on the shore. He just lays there for a few minutes, gains his strength, and then he gets up and walks off. I thought that's the picture of salvation. Here's what salvation is to some of you. God walks up to the creek bank and says, here you go. Let me help you. Salvation is not a helping hand, friend. Salvation is doing what you cannot do for yourself. You play no part. You don't assist God. You're going down. He's the one who immersed into our world. And he's the one who has provided the way for salvation. And he's the one who provides for us. And he's the one who carries us. How long? That means, that means he's got you right now. Right now. Whatever it is, he's got you. And it means, it means when you come to the end of your life, he's going to usher you into the presence of God. He's going to carry you. And he's going to carry you forever. Now, how do we apply this? Here's my question. Here's the so what. Am I evidently trusting the Lord as my saving refuge? And so what are you saying, Jeff? Let's go back to where I started at the beginning of the, of the sermon. And let's try to make it clear. The evidence that I'm trusting God to myself is that I do what? I pray. The evidence to others is that I praise. I want to tell you a story, and I want to use Psalm 28 to, to illustrate. Some of you have heard part of this. Five years ago, exactly, this month, um, October, November, December, my wife, our family, went through a very difficult period of time. I'll give you the very quick story. Celeste had a very large tumor on her liver. When they discovered it, it was, it had, was 
had a major effect on her liver as best they could see. The, the, going into the first surgery, it was everything will be fine. We'll collapse this tumor. She'll be okay. She'll recover. Ten minutes into the surgery, the surgeon comes out, gives me very bad news. If I keep going, she's going to die. My life, our life changed just like that. The next three days were very difficult days. On October the 31st, um, Celeste went in for a procedure. And praise God, the, the best doctor in this part of the world, maybe even in the U.S., in doing a stent in the bile duct that allows the liver to drain the toxins off is here in Charlotte. All she needed was a little tiny stent. The problem was the tumor had so collapsed her liver that he was not sure that it would work. And if it didn't work, she was going to die. Now, we didn't communicate this to people. This is something that, that we were dealing with together. So we go in this, it's a, we were at CMC through all this. We go down to same day surgery. This is where this guy does his surgeries. We're in this little curtained area. It was literally about this wide. I could reach out and just people stacked up. Any of you have done same day surgery. They're just stacked up down through there. Hubbub, people went around talking. Nobody's really somber. And there's the two of us by ourselves. And uh, if I'd have asked us that question today, are we evidently trusting the Lord at this moment? It was hard to say. Hard to say. She was laying, I can still see her. She was laying, looking at the curtain. I'm sitting at her feet. And I've got my iPad and I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading the Psalms. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to hold it together. I consciously did not know Psalm 28 prior to this. I did not. If you just said, what's in Psalm 28, I could not have told you. So I'm reading through it. And I come to verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. for He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Now pause for a moment, and let me help those of you who find yourself in a crisis like this. This is part of pastoral experience. This is part of life now. Be careful. Don't you be trite with the Bible in a moment like that. I said, Celeste, I want you to listen to this. She didn't turn toward me. Blessed be the Lord. For he has heard the voice of our pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. The saving refuge of his anointed will save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. She laid there for a minute and she said, uh, read it again, I need to hear that. 
I don't know how much time passed, but for the next 30 minutes or so as we waited, she would say, read it again. We offered a brief prayer and they wheeled my wife down the hall. I'm gonna tell you where we were right there. We weren't naming and claiming anything. This is where we were. Whether that worked or not, God was God. And he heard us. You say, what are you doing here, preacher? Here's what I'm doing. I'm showing you what the Bible teaches. God hears you. He is the saving refuge of his people. And what does he carry them? When does he carry them? Forever. Whether your circumstances work out or not, whether your disease is healed or not, God is God. He's the Lord. He is the saving refuge. So what do you need to do? What do you need to do if that's where you're at today and you're you're struggling? Here's what you need to do. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. You need to get in the word of God and you need to let the word speak to you. You need to do it like this, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now some of you go look at that text and say, it says right there he heals all your diseases. Put it in the sandwich and eat it. Say what? He forgives all your iniquity and he redeems your life from the what? You know when you're going to get healed of disease? When you breathe your last breath. Never again. Never again. It's over. It's life forevermore. So here's what you need to tell your heart, particularly at the moment when death is imminent. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Don't you forget his benefits. Now, it's not only you tell yourself. Here's what else you do. You tell others. And you encourage others to join you. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. My praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now see, some of you came in here this morning like this. Man, you're feeling good. You're all bouncing your step. Some of you are faking it. You're just faking the bounce. That doesn't mean everybody is. Somebody feel the bounce. Some of you feel the bounce today. Some of you got here like this. You know what those brothers and sisters need to hear from the rest of you? Magnify the Lord with me. He's God. He's God. Let's remember who he is. Let's not forget his benefits. Let's bless the Lord together. Look at verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Praise God. That's what we can remind each other. There's salvation in Christ. And if we take refuge in him, we will not be condemned. Christ is the good shepherd. He's got us. Those who are in Christ, he's got us. And he's going to carry us forever. If you're the sheep in the water, here's what you need to do. 
you need to cry to the Savior, save me. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Cry out to him to save you. For those of you who've cried to him the salvation, trust him. Trust him with your life. He's got you. And you will never be condemned. He's yours. You are his forever and ever. We're going to sing this song. The rock won't move. Are are you like me? I'm tired of stuff changing. This world's just nuts. The rock won't move. Let's pray. Lord, we need to encourage each other with the truth of your word. We need help in this place today. I plead for those who need salvation. May they not walk away ignoring you. May they not give in to the to the wickedness of our own hearts, to trust we can take care of it ourselves, we can save ourselves, and may they look to Christ and cry out for salvation. And for those who are your children, Lord, who are struggling, who've been afraid to admit that they're struggling, I pray that today they would come and pour out their heart to you, and if need be, that they would come and allow a pastor or one of these ladies to pray over them and to share with them in prayer. And Lord, I pray that all of us now will encourage each other to magnify the Lord together. Bless and move among us now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.